0: Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco.
2: Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, September 30th, and you are listening to Good Morning New York on the Boys America Radio Network. I'm your host, Vince Rocco, and we are coming to you live from Blastoff Studios in Times Square, New York. Yeah! Yay! Hey! Today we're going to talk to the panel for the full hour, and they are all in studio with me this morning. So good morning, everybody. Good morning, Vince. Nice to have you all here. Um, I want to go back to that in a little bit, but discuss how we started 2014, where we are, where we've come from in 2014, and what our predictions are for 2015 in this infamous real estate marketplace that we all play in very successfully, what the predictions were for the year in real estate, what the trends are, and how we're doing 10 months later. Also, we want to look at where we're going to be in 2015, as I said. But first, a few news items. It was the biggest deal ever for Brooklyn when actors Michelle Williams and Heath Ledger bought a Boreham Hill, Brooklyn townhouse in 2005. Now, nine years later, Williams has put the gorgeous house back on the market for $7.5 million dollars. The house is located at the corner of Hoyt and Dean Street. It's a 22-foot-wide uh, home and occupies a huge lot that allows for a three-car garage atop which there is a serious rooftop garden. Inside, it has six bedrooms, a library, a 1,000-square-foot parlor, a wine cellar, and a wood-burning fireplace. Now, you want to live there, don't you? Back here in Manhattan, though, a French Renaissance mansion on the Upper West Side that originally listed for $40 million in 2012 is now being offered for $30 million. The Kleeburg residence, a thirty seven foot wide limestone at Three Riverside Drive, was most recently listed at a knockdown price of thirty six million dollars by a new listing agent who obtained that listing this past summer. The current price reduction she said reflects the owner's strong motivation to sell the house totaling eleven thousand square feet is five uh, stories, has eighteen rooms, four terraces, six bedrooms, eight and a half baths, and nine gas fireplaces. The property also has a pool and a full gym. So there are two highlights if you want to buy a house in Manhattan or in Brooklyn. (laughs) I only wish. Condo sale prices in Manhattan are the highest they've been in 19 years. This according to a recent Street Easy Market report. Year-over-year prices in August were 8.8% higher than in 2013. Meanwhile, inventory was down for the third consecutive month in August, and that's according to the New York Post. Currently, Manhattan's inventory is 18.9% below the five-year average level. It's up 5.8% compared to last year. And finally, Mayor de Blasio is evaluating a proposal to impose a steep property tax surcharge on expensive pied a terre residences owned by buyers from across the country and around the world. The tax of up to 4% a year would apply to all apartments and homes with a current market value of more than $5 million. This tax would exempt the primary residents of New Yorkers, so there's no worry there. Before we get into the forecasting or the, the trends of 2014, what are your thoughts on that? Because you know we all sell to investors, and we all sell to people who buy new developments because they like the uh, tax exemption or the tax rebates, etc. And a lot of people buy as pied-a-terre. So how do you think this is going to attack attack well attack? Uh, you know, <laughs> how it's going to affect the 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 buyers out there who buy for these purposes? I mean, I sell to lots of pied-a-terre buyers. I think
3: the real estate market in general is pretty insular here in New York City. I think it will affect it, but not on the level that you know could be catastrophic to, to us and the in- industry in general.
4: Especially the
2: luxury market. you think even at a 4% tax rate, though? I mean, that's pretty high.
5: I th- Go ahead. I think it will start affecting things because I spoke with a few pied-a-terre buyers um, this last year, after, year week after we heard about this. And they're in a much lower price range. They're looking more in the two to three million dollar mark, but they're worried that if this comes into effect, they will be affected in a few years.
6: Also, it's really tough to see the difference between a pied-a-terre buyer and a buyer who is an investor. So either way, they are going to be people who own property from out of state or, you know, even out of the country. If that's the case, um, you know, if somebody's looking as an investment. That 4% tax really does affect whether it's going to be a valuable investment for them or not.
0: I'm in agreement with you, and I have found speaking to people very recently that ones that, of course, love New York, but they aren't absolutely committed to having to buy here, they're asking me about other cities. If this kind of thing goes on, people Absolutely. that are in a lower price
2: point. Well, the, the concern I have with this is, and I agree, you know, somewhat with all of you, but it's a four percent per year. So it's every year you're going to get taxed four percent on that purchase. So, you know, it's not a one-time shot where you can kind of justify it or kind of bury it into the overall purchase. This is every year.
6: And the average cap rate really of any renter here is about three to four percent. So you're really taking away any upside whatsoever which does not compare with other cities in the country. In fact, I do have friends who are in the, fi- the finance world who are buying in L.A. specifically and not buying here at all for that reason specifically.
2: By the way, everybody, I'm joined by Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential, Parul Brombat from Core Group, Rachel Altshuler from Douglas Elliman, Niall Lundgren from Dalian Real Estate, and Ivy Ray, our independent broker specialist. So let's get into the, the 2014 year that we just, well, we're still in. Low inventory, bidding wars, and record-setting prices were recurring themes for New York's residential real estate market in 2013. In 14, rising mortgage rates, a new mayor, and a surge in new construction could be the factors that spark major changes in real estate, So we thought. In 13, we had a record summer in terms of activity and one of the biggest springs on record. But we also had one-off situations, a flood of demand late in first quarter, mortgage rate spikes, as I said before, in late June. That brought a flood of people who were on the fence into the market. That's always helpful. And while things will still stay competitive for renters and buyers, the real estate market as a whole will likely experience less drama over the the coming year. So that was 13 into 14. Less drama over the coming year. Interesting. So – what has been the experience in two thousand and fourteen with you know the resale market you know we saw a modest gain in inventory and prices where Where did we start in 14 with with the overall resale market, and where can we say comfortably we are today now resale means everything, not new development but everything
6: Well there's been less drama this year <laughs>
2: <laughs> Clearly. Uh, that's
6: for sure um. It seemed that um, the beginning of the year was really crazy, uh, sort of didn't seem to have any sort of blip at all from last year. Uh, but as we got into sort of April, May, we definitely felt, I think, um, a little bit of a slower, um, a slowdown. I think part of it, though, was just a lack of inventory that people wanted to move on, not necessarily how many people were in the market looking.
2: Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I think so. Rents aren't going down anytime soon either. Again, this is beginning of the year to where we are today. But look for more concessions and negotiability in the first quarter of this year and into the second and third quarter of this year. Do we see that still happening on the rental side uh, from you know 13 into 14 and as we've gone through the year?
3: I think on the rental market, we're we're still very strong. At the beginning of the year, there were some concessions that were being given out. Um, Obviously, the summer months, everything tightens up, and that was where it got very tight. And now we're starting to see uh, landlords giving concessions now, either paying the OP, which is the brokerage commission, to those who aren't in New York City, and uh, giving, for example, one or two months free.
2: It says the vacancy rate in Manhattan has slowly but surely gone up in the last seven or eight months. So we're going to see more value. Um, especially in the beginning of the of, of the coming year, do you think as we place today mid year, well, thir- f- uh, start of fourth quarter of this year, we're going to see more value in 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 the overall rental market, better pricing, maybe more concessions again for the start of 2015?
3: I think the pricing is high. I work with um, landlords all the time on the rental side and pricing is high. And they're, what they're doing is they're trying to get high numbers in order to refinance out and pull out their equity in their investment plays. And what that does is they try and get these high numbers and then uh, give incentives to make it amortize or the price get lower for, for the general mm-hmm. renters out there. So it's, it's kind of like uh, it's, it's a twofold game. You don't you know, the renters don't necessarily see what's happening, but it is a higher price point that, they're, that the landlords are showing on their balance statements to the banks.
4: I'm finding there's a lot of confusion for renters right now because mm-hmm. what happens is they market it as a no fee because they want those higher numbers, which yep. makes sense. And then my clients say, I'm going to look for a no fee, which is fine. Go save some money. Call me later. And <laughs> then they go, well, I lost out on the apartment. I wasn't represented well and that's what happens so you have to be really really careful on going for those no fees
2: where is the where where's the market for rentals trending right now where where's the, the most activity happening in the rental market right now we've, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago but you know as we go through each week lately things change you know drastically where where is it hottest right now the
4: outer boroughs i'm finding queens I mean, it's insane. You can't get a one bedroom for under two thousand. Long Island
2: City, Astoria, Astoria, what?
4: Long Island City, Sunnyside, uh, Woodside. People are stretching out to Forest Hills, Jackson Heights, um, and of course, uh, Brooklyn is ridiculously hot. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, And I'm finding, you know, there's a lot of, you know, some premium properties, a lot two and three bedrooms that are on the market, at least way downtown where I am primarily, and their their asking prices are really high and they're sitting on the market. <laughs> they're not renting, so I mean, at some point, something's got to give. You know, two and three bedrooms are down there, and they're asking like sixty-two, sixty-four, fifty-eight a square foot, and they're not renting. So I've got friends calling me up, going, "So and so is repping me," and I'm confused as to why I'm not renting. And you know, so I don't know, uh, something's got to give.
4: It's also well, interesting on the renewal side too, because people don't want to move now. It oh, right, right. costs too much to move. So people, um, the owners that I work with are saying, "What should I do for the following year?" I say, typically three to five percent. Um, and they 're getting away with the higher end, so the cost of moving is you know application move in broker fee, the mo- actually moving trucks like everything is just so
5: expensive. People are staying in addition, because we just finished the high summer season for rentals, a lot of the landlords, especially in the high end, are no longer allowing shares. Shares is a big deal in New York City, even in the high end because people come from out of town to go to school here. Maybe their parents are helping out or maybe they're from wealthy families, but they still want to save a little bit or they want their child or college student to have roommates. So many of the landlords are not allowing shares anymore because it's, it's seen as cheapening the building. So that's why a lot of the larger apartments, especially mm. near NYU, Columbia, and that includes downtown, are sitting empty.
2: Mm. Very interesting. So let's let's talk quickly before we go to break about new construction. You know, coming from 13 and into 14, it was hot. Uh, Demand for new condos, uh, the thought was, will continue to outpace the supply. 2014 pipeline showed only about 1,200 homes coming on the market south of Harlem, uh, a number that usually ranges from 5,000 to 7,000. So, of course, that adds to our overall limited inventory. Where are we currently right now as we sail into 2015 with new condo construction?
6: I think that um, a lot of people are looking forward to the Hudson Yards build out. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that there is a lot of new construction coming up now. So as much as 2014 was sort of low on inventory, I think 2015 will see a little more inventory than we did this year. But I mean, I think progressively, I mean, since the mid, I would say mid 90s, uh, the city has just changed so much and become more and more livable that the demand for property within the city has continually gone up. It's no longer, you know, people buying places to stay during the weekdays and then going to their home in the suburb on the weekends. It's really, this is where people want to live, breathe, eat. And ultimately, we're on one island with other islands that we could go to. Uh, But that being said, there's just limited space and limited inventory. And what we're finding is um, even the new inventory that's coming up just the base levels at which the the developers buying land and building on it, that the new inventory we see coming out is still going to be more towards the luxury end of the market and not really serving the bread and butter people who are increasingly getting priced out of Manhattan. I think this right, is let's, one let's, of the
2: most important topics. Can we bring it up when we let's, get back? Let's hold that when we come back after <laughs> break. We have to go to break. <laughs> we, are, we will be right back at the other side of that break, but first you're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't
1: go away. Visit Blue Realty Group.com. That's BLU Realty Group.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back. Ivy, we cut you off. Sorry about
2: that. Had to go to break, but you wanted to say something about new construction. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I just actually wanted to pick up on where Peru was, Um, you know, looping back for one second, what we did get to market was a lot of really high end luxury and a lot of the families that are coming into New York, a lot was built for three, four, five, six bedroom and super high end. Um, I am a native New Yorker and I love my city (laughs) and I am. Concerned because a fact that we cannot escape is what the developers have been spending to purchase the land that is now available because we know there's only so much. Big bucks. And so majorly big bucks. You know, that Schwo property, right? I, I can't remember now where it... got yeah, um, We're all rolling eyes in the studio. That but time. he's not the only one, but an unbelievable amount of money for this tiny little stamp of property. And the developers are saying now, in order to be able to sell their places, they're going to have to charge exorbitant amounts of money priced per square foot, per foot yeah. and you know what about our regular people and what about the people that have like normal jobs and aren't in the uber high end luxury you know i it's a big concern and i, I wonder what's going to happen and what's important so, right. is
6: how we actually um define what is high end luxury in this town and what is and what is what is you know bread and butter i mean yeah. your average like you know even investment banker is bread and butter at this point yes. relative to the prices that we're looking at on the higher end.
2: Yeah.
4: And I think it's really funny that affordable luxury is one and a half to three, only, I, in, I, only in New York City. Thank right. you. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with you.
2: Typically, you know, only in New York City, perfectly said because you know, I sometimes go home and scratch my head even after 13, 14 years in this business. Been around the block and other industries in this town. It's only in New York that you see this stuff. And even my brother says to me when he listens to the show, I, I can't even get over some of these prices. I can't even get over some of the things you guys talk about because it's so completely different – From just 30 miles north. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be
4: very interesting in about a 10 to 15-year mark to see these condos Uh, with the abatements and then unabated and those Uh, comps on the resale side. That's going to be really interesting. I I wanted
2: to ask about – hold a second. I wanted to ask about that when we talk about 2015 predictions because I have to believe that all of us would feel the same way about when that stuff comes to end. Where does that take us from a price perspective, from
5: inventory, inventory,
2: Mm -hmm. from comps, I mean everything. Deborah, you wanted to talk about uh, conversions. You said something about conversions earlier. um, Yes. During
5: during the downturn, a number of developers bought rental buildings and held on to them. So they bought them at a lower price point. And I know on the Upper West Side, there are four Mm pre-war conversions that I know are coming on the market three others that we're speculating about, and there's a couple on the east side which are not pre-war. They're 1960s, which only some people know about (laughs) because they know the developers. Uh, But looking at the price per square foot on these, they're much lower than what the new development is, and I think that is going to price adjust the market. Remember, these these conversions are not getting the rebates.
6: Here's the question, though. Are they actually coming out? So are the developers then going to keep that higher margin for themselves and still sell these at market value, quote-unquote what market value is right now? Or are they actually going to try to serve that mid-market market that still has some space and a lot of interest. And will
3: that get snatched it, up immediately? It depends on the developer. That will yeah.
2: go I've, so, so that's, both. A very, that's a very yeah. good question because both. I'd like yeah. to see where that goes. Well, yeah.
5: I've, I've seen both and talking with some of these developers or talking with the people who were involved in them. Um, some of them, because of what they paid for the buildings, are able to ask a little more. But they know they're not going to comp out if people are getting financing. We keep talking about how cash is king. Mm. There's so many cash buyers but that's because it makes a good news headline. There are a lot of people who are financing.
2: I agree with you. Yeah. I was talking to one of my bankers yesterday in the office, and, you know, of course, when they come around wanting to know where all the business is, it's always like, well, cash is king. Everybody's, you know, buying apartments these days with cash. But you're right. The point is, for all those cash buyers out there, there are lots of financing buyers out there. And, you know, the market, when things, I believe, are priced right, are moving. Let's talk about this is an interesting one because coming into 2014, well, prior to 2014 or going way back, co-ops and condos are really very very different, but market pressure mounts for co-ops to behave a lot more like condos these days. Even some condos start acting like co-ops, whatever that means. But huh. you know, co-ops keep a tight rein on the application process and who can come into a building and who cannot. So, what is the pressure that's been mounting lately for them to kind of relax their rules and become more like condos where just about anybody can come into a building as long as you can get financing or as long as you can you know, show that you're a respectable uh, candidate because you don't have to go through an interview process or financial scrutiny like a co-op? Why is there pressure on the co-op these days? And then also to add to that, as I've seen in my business throughout 2014 – The prices of co-ops have become a lot closer to condo pricing these days. So something is shifting in the two different segments of housing here. Why? Well, simply
6: put, I mean, if you think about what was going on just in the last couple of years, uh, like you said, the disparity seems to be getting smaller now. But simply put, co-ops missed out on a lot of the buyers that went to condos because of the difference in bylaws, if you will. Um, and now they're trying to recapture some of that that market share, right? So, um, I think that's the basis of the conversation. And you know, I think the
3: fundamentals of co-ops too is not are not going to change. You know, debt to income ratio, percent percent down. That's all going to be standard across the board. But as when we first started the show a couple months ago. I, I talked about a co-op deal that I was working on. You know, mid-market co-op deal. Um, you know, middle of the between one and two million dollars. And the co-op was was obviously the, the buyer was well qualified, but the co-op was lenient on the fact that the dog was a little bit more um, than what it originally than like the bylaws. So it was like I think it was thirty pounds in the bylaws, and this was a forty-five pound dog. And they had the dog come in the interview, and they just met the dog. And the dog, I think I don't know if you remember, the dog had an iPhone in its mouth and sat in the corner the whole time, and, and that was what Just really – Just like my
2: jet would do on well, the iPhone. Is absolutely that unbelievable? <laughs> and, he, and, it, Look, and it got I the get... deal done, you
3: know. And, and I was completely shocked. I was like, how did this go down? I couldn't believe it. I was a co, co- ops are specific. I would never normally see that, but I saw it at the beginning of this year, and it's the truth.
2: But don't you think – correct, I saw that too. But don't you think that they're becoming intoxicated by the pricing of – condos and the fact that they've had these strict rules you know, throughout the years, but they want to become a lot more competitive, they want the prices. I mean, if I were a, a shareholder in a, in a co-op building and I owned my apartment, you know, when I see the condo across the street getting you know, $500 a square foot more just to use a number, why wouldn't I want the same thing? And I
4: think so, as the millennials get on the boards, that's the shift that we're going to see. So in good the- Good point. Good
2: yeah, point. Yeah, hmm. so. 100%.
5: I think we will see the shift, but there are certain things in co-ops, and the majority of my sales are co-ops, There's certain things that we can't ignore. For instance, they still have to scrutinize people's financials, Mm -hmm. which is a nice thing about condos. They don't because what many people don't know is because co-ops are private corporations, if you're having financial problems, you're going to pay everything that shows up on a credit report. You'll pay your mortgage. You'll Mm -hmm. pay your con ed bill, your credit card bills. But guess what? Maintenance doesn't show up on your credit report. So – A lot of people – and I saw this in certain buildings, especially on the Upper East Side, where you had a lot of job losses and people stopped paying maintenance. Mm. And the buildings went into financial distress because of this. Very interesting. So that's number one that they really can't loosen up on. Secondly, especially since the financial downturn, any loans that are bought by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac cannot be in buildings or developments – and this is because of Florida and Arizona mainly – where there is more than twenty five percent non-owner occupied units. Now, I don't know if you guys are seeing this. I have seen it in certain midtown condos, a few uptown condos, where you can't get financing. There are too many renters. Mm-hmm. And co-ops cannot loosen up on that either.
2: This is becoming quite a problem. But but well, you know, across the board, but let me but here's my question. So as the older guard sort of I hate to say moves on in these co-ops because most of the older guard live in the co-ops. What happens when the the, the new young warriors come on board and say, I don't want these rules and I want this to be more like a condo or I don't need to know that someone's got $5 million, you know, whatever. I I mean, this may be more of a prediction than it is what we're going currently going through in 14, but I think I'm already beginning to see a lot of that changing and it's going to probably be a few more years before we actually see it happening. But I can see the unrest and I think that's part of what, you know, this bullet item here says. It's like, come on, guys. You know, we've been co-ops and private organizations for many, many, many years, you know, under our own rules, but it's time to change and time to change because time in the future is going to give us more money.
6: Yeah. I mean, possibly. Vince, to your point, I, I just think that, you know, we've been sort of talking about this in the last few weeks about how this is becoming, you know, New York has always been so fascinating because as much as we have a tiny amount of space, every neighborhood has always had its own flavor and flair. And uh, what we're seeing more and more now is not just that, that differentiates neighborhood to neighborhood. But really, it's becoming a tale of multiple markets. I mean, you know, there's going to be your upper Fifth Avenue co-ops that will really want to see, you know, that you have so much liquid asset after closing, et cetera. But then there's going to be the co-ops that are going to opt for more of a wanting to the you know, it's almost like fashion, right? I mean, there's like the luxury end, but then there's, you know, even even the big designers start recognizing that really what you want to do is hit the largest section of the market—the couture you will see versus a lot what's of-
2: trending today. Exactly, oh, right. and yeah. so
6: it's like we're go- we're seeing that already, and I think that's the wave of the future for sure.
2: And perfect segue into the next uh, comment on the neighborhoods. You know, it says fringes is, is is still fashionable. Manhattan and Brooklyn, the top trending boroughs in 2013. They said will continue to be uh, top in two thousand and fourteen, going deeper into neighborhoods formerly considered too fringe to be fashionable, like the bushwick section of, of Brooklyn uh for one example, which proved that seemingly no neighborhood is too gritty or grim for a makeover you know here's another one: Queens is the new Brooklyn, so in two thousand and thirteen into two thousand and fourteen, we have determined that we need more places to make fashionable to make trendy. Because, you know, people are priced out of the traditional Manhattan markets. I mean, do you still see this happening um, as we go through and complete 2014? Bushwick, Bed-Stuy, I mean, what's next?
0: Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to stop at all. And I think they're going to continue to get creative as to how far up we can go. They're going to have disco
4: parties on the ferry. To Staten Island. <laughs> oh, there you go. I
0: mean, there's going to be all these incentives and in neighborhoods created outside of Manhattan, not in these traditional neighborhoods uh-huh. that have incentives, shuttle buses. I mean, that's that's what I'm hoping for. I thought this morning about this, it's like five o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking about real estate. God bless me. I don't do that at five a.m. I think about something else at five a.m. But you know, I, for whatever reason, the Caledonia, the Caledonia came to mind, right? Because the Caledonia is like a community to me. You know, you walk in that, it's you feel like. Like you you know, you're in a community and there are some other buildings like that in Manhattan and they're just going to keep moving out. Let's go, you know, a little bit of Hastings on the Hudson where people could the actually. New Brooklyn. Yeah, totally, man. I, I don't think I hope it's not going to stop. And I, I, I just
6: think, want to invest in the new express train and faster transportation that comes in because I think that will not only develop because really, I mean, the reason why people stay so close to Manhattan has to do with
5: transportation. Absolutely. Let's face it. That's like the, so the key word. Yeah. Exactly. The key word is transportation. If we look at the yeah. history of New York, yeah. we all the uh, fashionable suburbs, the first ones in Brooklyn and Queens, were all around the subway lines. That of being course. said, yeah. we talk about Long Island City. We talk about Bushwick, but it's a train and a bus and twelve trains, and it's it's not easy. Rego Park is easy. Forest Hills is easy. Anything that's on a subway line. I think things are going to keep going that way. I'm curious as to what's going to happen in the Bronx. I'm not so, I guess, optimistic, I'm sorry, about Staten Island because the transportation is not there. You have the ferry and then you have the bridges going outside of Manhattan.
2: The research I was doing this week said the Bronx – has been sleepy and will continue to be sleepy through throughout fourteen and into fifteen I, It begs the question though why there 's certainly transportation that goes up up to the Bronx in in all different directions four five six uh, one two three i mean so there are there are places where these trains go to. So why does it remain sleepy? I think the, ve- the developers haven't bought it up yet. There's something happening. There's well,
0: that's well, true, but it's yes, going going yes, there. There,
5: yes and no. Which
2: it seems like they may be doing
5: currently. Yeah, there's two near, things going on. Yeah. It's also
3: not near centers of commerce. You know, even Staten Island, you go right, right to the Fidai, and uh, yeah. you know, Queens, you're going right into Midtown, yep. and you know, same thing with uh, with Brooklyn. So you know, the Bronx is just still, I think, a frontier.
5: Yeah, the Bronx is a little different because Riverdale, right before the that's downturn, a whole different ballgame, right? That's right. Yes. It is different, but. Many of the developers that bought up land and put up developments, they made the mistake of pricing them in Manhattan prices. Mm-hmm. And they're all still for sale. Or one development I know of actually sold the majority of their units to Barnard for faculty housing. And so, this is, and
6: this is more is of different. a question on my point. Guys, then. we're going to have to take a break. Oh, Hold
2: the thought. We'll be right back after these messages. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go
1: Visit Blue Realty Group.com. That's B L U Realty Group.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America. At 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to V Rocco at Blue That's V Rocco at B L U Now, back to the show.
2: All right, we're back, everybody. We're talking to Deborah Hoffman, Perul Brumbat. Rachel Altshuler, Niall Lundgren, and Ivy Ray, my illustrious panel, feet on the street as I call them, successful real estate agents here in New York City. Any last thoughts on neighborhood before we go on to the next topic? Because I think we were touching on a couple of things. Go ahead, Parul. I was
6: just going to say time. You know, it's a, we said transportation. It's ease of transportation where you don't have too many connections. You can get to the city fast. I think the other thing is also just how long is it going to take you to get to somewhere, uh, even if the convenience is there. And I would say that for Bronx, maybe that's also a factor.
0: You know, I've got people that are considering now, myself included, moving up to Woodstock full-time as my primary residence or areas. In oh, that- upstate New York. Yeah. Okay. And, then, and then have a terre or share that you do with a couple people that you – so you can just crash in the city if you have something the next day. But changing your life around so that you can come to New York three, four days a week versus being here seven days a week and live in the country and, and climb the mountains become- and
6: – That may actually become invoked because of the high prices here, right? So this may it used to be that the city wasn't so livable. Now it may just be that the prices drive that lifestyle once more. Well, Brooklyn
3: became the new suburbs, right? Everyone's moving out of the city and going to Brooklyn because of that that reason. I mean, it's not mountains and everything like that, but there's parks and a lot of greenery in Brooklyn versus Manhattan. It's a huge
2: lifestyle thing. Well, I wanted to ask about that because that's a good point. I did, wasn't thinking about that for today's, today's conversation. But when I think back to my first apartment here in the city was a pied de terre I lived in the, in, in the Burbs in Westchester and I used to commute in every day and got tired of that. And then you know the trend was, okay, so I, I think I want to do this full-time. So I got rid of that place and I stayed here full-time, got a bigger apartment, whatever. But are we really trending back to people thinking about whether it's Woodstock or whether it's Westchester or whether it's anywhere outside of New York City? are people really starting to think about that as as a as a lifestyle change and maybe potentially just commute in so listen we all could work you know from home telecommute In-go. it's yeah. not a matter of you having to be in an office every day like we used to be so you don't necessarily have to be here real estate agents were here when we show of course but take other professions you know you can work from home why do you have to be in the city every day so all i'm i'm thinking of is i haven't seen so much of it in my my business recently but Are we maybe trending to that into 2015 where people are starting to – look, right after 9-11, we had a mass exodus out of town for fear purposes and lots of people went out and and camped in the Hamptons permanently and full time and and are still there, come into the city when they need to. Is this a potential trend? I don't know.
6: As soon as you asked the question, I started laughing in my mind because I feel like in my 20s had you asked me, is this a trend no matter what was going out – on externally from me, I would have been like, Oh, of course not. Who'd never, who'd want to not live in the city. I feel like now I just like the idea of more parks and trees. So I think, I mean, at least personally, I would say that I think it's a, it, it's, it's where you're at in your life that you're going to make a decision based on what excites you at, at, at At the given time. Yeah, and there's been a
3: revitalization of the city, you know, in terms of more parks around, you know, the west side or the east side, and in general, you know, it's New York City. People are always going to want to, you know, live here.
2: Yeah, no, I I see, I see all of it, and and I agree with all of it, and I think Perul, you're right, though. I think it depends on where you are in your life. You know, I never spent so much time upstate New York in my life until this past summer, and even though it was just summer weekends. I loved it. It made I enjoyed you it.
0: very happy, didn't it?
2: It made me very yeah. happy. And it got out of the hustle and bustle of the, the, the craziness of real estate and Manhattan living for almost 20 years, whatever. So that could be a point. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, amenities. Smaller apartments, bigger socialization spaces. So whether you rent or own, hanging out is in. And that's reflected in the way new rental and condo buildings welcome residents from ramped up community rooms to residential lounges, doubling as coffee cafes, et cetera. Today, the trend is to find a way for people to commu- uh, to connect. So in the past, maybe this says that as we came into 2014, people were interested more in the size of the apartments. Now it seems to be trending as we go into 15, not necessarily about the size of the actual living space, but you want to be in a building that has a lot of community space, a lot of party rooms, a lot of game rooms, a lot of you know uh, amenities, gyms, rooftop gardens. How? What do you think about that? I mean I'm I'm actually seeing a lot of this.
3: I think that's the beauty of New York City going back to what we were just talking about. Why do people want to live here is because you can socialize and actually connect with people. It's hard to connect with people when you're commuting back to the mountains Mm -hmm. every single week. When you're in New York and you're living in a building where you can connect with people and go socialize and make new connections and and meet and and develop and foster new opportunities from it, even if it's in your building, I mean that's tremendously
4: valuable. I think renters Mm -hmm. also have to justify the high prices. So when they see a 400, 500-square-foot studio, they like it. And then you take them to the Wi-Fi <laughs> tournament room and they really, really like it. So, And when they justify that, they sign the lease and then all of a sudden, they don't really use the amenities. Uh, thank you. Whenever Correct. you show them, yep. there's nobody using them. Well, that's – yeah. that's So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of the recency effect on yeah, that. Well, it's also when we're yeah.
5: showing them, we tend to be showing them in the middle of the day and most people are at work. Yeah. And on weekends, depending what the amenities are and along the lines of what Perul just said is it depends where you are in your life because young families sign out those community rooms for birthday parties like nobody's business. Uh, there are a couple buildings on the east side, which I kind of laughed hearing that they had oh, a library and they have tea service every day. Oh, but my God. in the morning, it is filled with not just people who – stay home. It's also important but, to point out the mm-hmm. condo versus a rental building with the amenities yes, so different
4: needs, you know, somebody who's buying for their family I is going to have different needs Talk right.
2: about the building that you you work in a lot up on the Upper West Side, 30 Lincoln Plaza. Talk about those amenities. I mean, I'm sure lots of you have been throughout that building. The rooftop and what goes on on the top of that building is oh, out of control. It's extraordinary. And it's so, out of you control. know, the other
0: building, I roll a lot downtown in one perf- in one other building as well that has some of the finest amenities in the pine? city. Yeah, 20 yeah. Pine and then 30 West 63rd. Yeah. They both have crazy amenities. And at 30 West 63rd, you pay high prices and you have to pay for the amenities. And if you bring guests, it's an arm and a leg. Yeah. People still really purchase or rent in that building. Happy hour every day at 5 o'clock. the wow. amenities. Yeah, there's a bar. There's you know three rooftops. There's a barbecue. There's all this stuff. But what I wanted to say, I found two years ago everybody wanted the amenities. When this first really started happening, or whenever that was, you guys helped me out. Okay. Now the trend for me is my people that have purchased and were renting are coming back to me and going Ivy. We now want a real New York space. The mm-hmm. amenities were nice. It was fine. It was good. It was good for me because we tend to isolate in New York City. I want a loft.
6: You know, I was. Just I want the
0: real that. New York loft. I don't give a sh about, about the <laughs> amenities. I was trying so hard not to say that word. But now take me to – because I'm a loft girl. Take me to your lofts. I want to see them and I almost don't even care where they are. We want a
2: real New York City loft. Well, that's the whole point of the conversation with this particular piece is so we're trending out of the amenity um, craze and into more space.
6: Actually, you know what? And I think there's an interesting hybrid What's I think the wave of the future. So I do believe that I – I was sort of – pleasantly surprised to a great degree to hear what you guys had to say because I'm consistently getting buyers who are just, they're like, you know what? I don't, that's ridiculous. I don't want to pay all this extra money to have this or that, or like my dog doesn't need to have a doggy daycare center in my building. That's ridiculous to them, you know? So, um there there are a lot of people who don't seem to care about the amenities at all. However, I do find that we live in New York to Niles point um, because we like community, we like meeting people. We're very social beings in this town. And so the trend seems to be sort of using a lobby space for coffee or for breakfast, um, and having sort of a space that as you walk through it, you feel that sense of community more so than that exclusive party room that is only for your personal events, but it's kind of tucked back and hidden.
5: And circling back to what we had spoken about before, what Niall touched on, uh, we were talking about financing and problems in condo buildings, and Ivy mentioned speak uh, charging for a lot of the amenities. Many of the condo buildings started charging a lot for this because if you have too many renters in a condo building, sometimes that could be offset for financing if you have a huge reserve fund. And traditionally, condos did not have reserve funds. Co-ops did. So this is a way of feeding their reserve fund. That and another thing condos are doing, which is coming back to why co-ops are becoming a little more um, attractive, is because the fees to rent out your apartment in a condo, Mm. many of them are going through the roof Either that, or a move-in, move-out fee of two thousand dollars. Agree, is the ridiculous, fees and are it all crazy. it
6: all goes into that reserve well, fund that, right. that
5: the buildings did not have. I right.
6: think we need a whole new whole show on managing agents and fees. Mm. Really, yeah, uh,
2: <laughs> coming up because the 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 uh, reserve fund and the line item, you know, funds that banks. The reason why banks don't want to lend is because of those um, depleted uh, funds. Anyway, talking about rising mortgage rates. Coming into fourteen, they say they will likely dampen the purchase prices by mid to four two thousand and fourteen. So where have we become? Where have we gone from two thousand thirteen into September fourteen with with rates? And has it really changed the purchase price scenario here in in New York City at all?
6: Well, they haven't gone up that much, and they've been kept low, what quote unquote artificially, right? I mean, they've been kept low by our system, and um, and so. It is still – I think that it's still a concern um, when those rates do start going up, what's going to happen. But it didn't affect us because the thought process at the beginning of the year was, will they go up? And if they do, how does it affect us? And we haven't had to face that so much this year.
5: I'm sure all of you will, will remember it was very <laughs> interesting around June where everyone started saying, wow – the rates on a 30-year jumbo mortgage are less than on a conforming loan so try to get your buyers that are right on the edge to take out 2000 more dollars so they can get that and that was unheard of
2: mm-hmm.
3: No. Yeah, and there's still confidence. I mean, Janet Yellen um, recently said that she's going to keep interest rates low, so I, I don't see that mm-hmm. going up like crazy. And historically, you know, my my parents purchased their home at 18 percent interest rates in the low
2: 80s. I mean, we're we're talking at we're four percent. You know, that's crazy. Free,
4: free money. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it is yeah. free money.
2: When it goes to four to four point five, people yeah, flip out. Rates are rising, but I mean, it's not yeah. only free money. It's like not even worth talking about. Yeah. It's, it's it's insane. But yeah. Yeah, where we where we have been and where we, we, we are going. So we've got to take another break. On the next side of the break, we're going to talk about some um, last-minute thoughts on 2014 and where we think we're going to be in 2015. So don't go away. We'll be right back.
4: <clears throat>
2: so funny because-
1: visit blue realty group.com that's b l u realty group.com stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you are listening to good morning new york real estate with vince rocco if you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at com. Now, back to the show.
2: All right, everybody. We're back at our last segment, and we're talking a little bit about where we have come from throughout 2014. And... In a few minutes, talk about some of our predictions, personal predictions for 2015. One last thought on 14, though. It said in the beginning of the year that inventory was going to ease up a bit and expand just a little bit. Not much. No one predicted a huge amount of inventory. <clears throat> I personally didn't see too much of that. Where where are we with that in September of 14 coming from you know, 13 and in?
5: I saw it in what, of course, it's New York. We consider the low end. The studios, the one bedrooms, which were really sitting on the sidelines for years, they really started to take off the end of 2013 but continued through ta- 2014. What neighborhood Surprised me. All over. Really? Where
0: there are – yeah. Yeah. Because I, I have all these one-bed buyers that finally came back out. I didn't close hardly one and there were like 10. We bid wars. I mean so There's, everyone's saying they didn't have the bid. There mm-hmm. was no damn property.
5: But there was there was a lot on the Upper East Side, well, Midtown. Yeah, right. Wait, Midtown East. There was some in Chelsea and in um, Hell's Kitchen, Clinton, which right. we discussed. And I'm the downtown really. girl, and there was none. Well, you also have to realize how things were built. Yeah. You know, m- most of the things were built as larger apartments and lofts, and you're not going to find them yeah. unless you, you know, want to live in a closet in the village for you know nine thousand dollars a month.
2: And 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 people do. <laughs> trust me, I've been in so many situations down there trying to sell apartments. It's crazy, but. I saw a little bit about what you just said, but um, also, you know, one of the things that I would say or what I would predict going into 2015, where inventory is concerned, um, I think it's going to stay where it is. It may come up just a little bit. I hate, you know, well, I, I see, I see the the purchase power trending towards the buyer. We have been 18 months or so, maybe a little longer, on the seller's team. I see it. I see it shifting a little bit each day, and I, I and agree. I, I, I don't know necessarily what that means because I think it sometimes takes time, but it seems like you know there's lo- not a lot of movement and a lot of listings that I have at the moment, perfectly well priced, perfectly beautiful apartments. I mean everything you know whatever, but it, it's just not there yet. So going into two fifteen, you know, on on one level, I think that we're going to see a shift in in the purchase power with the buyers out there. I, well, I, I, don't I wonder know right about around.
6: that, actually, because I feel like we're, we've come out of the summer and this year, you know, the Jewish holidays have fallen later. And for those of you who are not in New York, uh, really, I mean, and whenever there's, you know, the high holidays, it really does affect the market. It slows it down tremendously. So I think Yom Kippur is now this Friday, weekend, Friday, Saturday. Right. Friday night, and, and so Saturday. once we get past this weekend, I'm curious to see what the fall market looks like. So I think it's mm-hmm. tough to tell because I think it was it was slower on the uptick because of mm-hmm. the way the timing has been this year for the holidays. I, I
2: agree with that, but what do you think, Perul, going into 2015? So say we come out mm-hmm. of the, the the high holy days, you know, the next week or two, and start, and you know, what is it, five? Four or five weeks, six weeks into the Thanksgiving holiday and into the Hanukkah and Christmas holiday. Where do you think – do you think that things will spike enough to uh, sell well in the next month or two before we get into the, the new year?
6: I think that there will be a spike to Christmas and then I think after that we'll get our usual lull um, and then we can get into our 2015 predictions whenever you're ready for them. But I think that I, – I do think that the market's going to be hot in the next – Month mm. to two months.
5: I agree with Perul, but I also agree with you, Vince. What I'm seeing is because the market was so hot and overheated, and as you mentioned, it was a seller's market, a lot of the sellers and some brokers who are not as experienced as all of us are were really overpricing apartments. Yeah, mm. for sure. Or there were, I know, I could think of three buildings where an owner put an apartment on the market way out of the stratosphere, and then four other apartments came up in the building. Based on that price, there are no comps to show any of this. But I think if people really have to move, if they really have to sell, they will get real even if it's the beginning of 2015 uh, yeah, because um, they will have the holidays to think about it, to bounce it off their families, to soul search. And that's when I think we're really going to see some kind of a change which will be good for buyers.
6: And I think ultimately it's coming down to not being able to talk about the market as a whole. You know, I think we all, I I recognize over the, you know, week per week, depending on where our focus is, even individually as brokers, tends to really sort of affect and shift our point of view. Um, And so, you know, I'm still working with a lot of condo buyers who are looking for those two and three bedroom apartments. And that market, I mean, it's, I don't see the buyer shift there because, you know, again, we're falling in that one and a half to three million yep. bucket that is just tough to serve. I, um, I'm
4: finding right now there is a huge gap between sellers and buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, I'm working with a lot of um, developers and investors going to these up and coming areas, and what they're hearing in the press is is how they're pricing it on the seller side, and the buyers feel they have more power now. So there's a a huge discrepancy. And so in Q4 and Q1 2015, I'm going to find in my predictions that there's going to be a gap and it takes a really, really, really good broker to explain to the client, you know, how to negotiate, how to come in, meeting of the minds and managing expectations.
6: And a really interesting interesting point for that is this week, I have been going through a negotiation and we did something that is completely unprecedented, which is literally spelled out our reasoning for our offer. On the So I'm representing the buyer and we in the offer letter said, this is what's going on in the neighborhood. Here's the price. And we invite you, the seller, to come into the conversation because we're not trying to be unreasonable. This isn't a matter of trying to drive down the price in a way that is unfair. We're trying to f- see and feel why you believe that this is worth a different numbers so, of like literally we invited them to mm-hmm. have an actual conversation with us, which is I think becoming more important.
2: That's very important. And yeah. that's a very, I did that once actually beginning of this beginning of this year for the first time. I haven't done it since, but uh, it worked. Yeah. So I,
0: I find myself doing the same thing. <clears throat> and just to hop on all of you for one sec, I agree with you about the wide chasm that's between sellers and buyers. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are brokers that are coming crazy high, In their pricing? I mean, nuts. And then what it is, is that the the, the seller gets excited about that pricing. And then you've got a savvy broker on their hands. They do their due diligence and they come up and they even go, you know what? We are moving up. The prices are moving. So we'll give you this. And you give them all the explanations. But then you've got a seller who's got this number that is completely unreasonable in their head. So when they come down $500,000 to get in the ballpark that's more reasonable, they feel like they're selling out. So it's, I am hopeful for that chasm to lesson so that we can close some more deals.
2: All right. We've got about five or six minutes left in the segment before the end of the show, unfortunately. So let's, let's shift to what we personally think. I mean, none of us have a crystal ball and none of us can say for sure what may happen. But what do you think we're going to see in 2015 by way of fact, by way of trend, by way of shift in market potentially, whatever? Now, let's, let's hear your thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, I think that because of the, the interest rates, I think they're going to stay, stay relatively low. So I think that will uh, keep the demand pre- pretty high. Um, I think that inventory will loosen a little bit. The power will, will, will transition to uh, the buyers. What I've seen, personally, in, in happening as of late is that because of, I think, what Rachel and Ivy were saying is that, that more inventory is coming available, buyers are, are more wait, like apt to wait on the sidelines and say, okay, I'm going to wait if, for another you know, F-line to come available in the building. And if it does, then they, then they make, a, make a play based on all of the other comps, what they already know in the building, and in the, in, in the, in the buyers become very, very savvy. So I think buyers are becoming more savvy. They're not as hot. As they were at the beginning of 2013, just you know, crazy bidding wars, just just putting you know, not a major down. sense of urgency. But yeah. when something
2: comes up that they're looking, they're going to they pull, the pull the trigger immediately. The
3: trigger. Yep. And I think apartments will be on the market for a shorter time because of that. For the right ones that are well priced in certain buildings. Rule.
6: Um, I think to piggyback on what Nell's saying here is, um, is it's about pricing. It's about accurate pricing first and foremost. So if something is priced, and I've sort of touched on it too. Um, you know, if it's priced well, it's going to have a certain effect. If it's not, buyers are extremely savvy. And I think that it's been an education for buyers over the last year or two years. And what we're seeing is, is the average, and you know, and I think the internet and everything else plays a factor into this, but we're no longer dealing with the same buyers we were dealing with five years ago. It's a completely different breed. Mm -hmm. And really, I feel like I am somebody who, works alongside of them now. I we work together to make decisions. It is not as black and white as it used to be, where I felt like I was the one leading the process. Now it's very collaborative. And I personally really like that. It takes a little weight off my shoulders and really, you know, so I feel like my job has become more about educating the buyer and bring them into the process.
2: I like that collaboration piece because it's very, very true. And it's, it's, it's it's uh become that from years ago to where we are today. It's really changed. And so I think that
6: that's a big trend. Um, and I think that just created, I think in this room, we hear a lot of creative ideas of how we approach things. And I think that that's the difference between the old guard to the new guard. This is no longer a, you know, a cookie cutter canned mm-hmm. process anymore. You really have to look at every deal. And the brokers who are going to be shocked just because you take a different approach are not going to be the brokers who really survive the, the changing mm-hmm. market. Um, so in t- 2015, I think we're going to see more of that. And I think that it's going to be more about, I don't think it's so much about buyers having more power per se, I do think that there's a little more perceived power. Um, but ultimately, you know, given the low inventory, I think the sellers will still have the upper hand. However, I think buyers are savvy enough to say, okay, I'll pay you a little bit of a premium here or there, but I'm not going to give you a crazy prices
5: because that's what you've conjured psychologically. Deborah, we have about okay. two minutes left. Okay. Very quickly. I agree with Perul and with Niall. And the only thing I'd really like to add is that people move when they have to move, whether you're a buyer or a seller. My year with the most transactions ever in my career was in the heart of the recession, 2009. Mm. That being said, I think that a lot of these sellers or their brokers who are being very unrealistic are going to get real in 2015 if they have to move.
2: So it's about getting Uh, real. Yeah.
5: A few points. I see
4: new development focusing on more of the affordable luxury we talked about earlier. Uh, a need for smaller apartments, the price point under $2 million. I do see, because inventory is 50% of what it should be, it's going to be a really, really strong year. It, it's, mm-hmm. With the rates being low and that, I mean, it's like, it's a no-brainer. So I feel really, really positive about next year. Um and I'm excited for the rental market also is going to be really, really strong. I'm, I'm really, really excited about next year is what I want to say. And I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. Ten seconds, Ivy. Up. Ten seconds. Oh, ten seconds. Sorry.
0: I hope, if I can put a little hope in here, that developers have more discernment and respect for the history of our city. That is my personal hope. If you look at the rest of the world, they pay homage to where they came from and we're kind of. Tearing down New York, so I hope that.
6: Oh my God!
2: Okay, until next time, we have to go. But until next time, thank you for joining me, everybody. We always run out of time. I hate that. I look forward to being with you next Tuesday at nine a.m. Eastern, six Pacific, on the Variety Channel. Here on Voice America, you can always catch the show later in the day on podcast. Have a great day, everybody.
4: <laughs> thank you, Vince. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, Thanks, thank a great one. Bye.
1: <laughs> Thanks for tuning in this week.